Hello listener, the episode you are about to listen to contains sensitive information relating to mental health. If the subject is difficult for you, please do find a safe time and place in which to listen. I was a very strong person. That's what I thought. Okay, I can handle anything. First week, yes, I was enjoying it. It's a new thing, new experience. You really don't want to go anywhere. You just want to be with the baby. In-laws were there, the visitors are coming. Day is very busy. First week, I had, uh, so you have to quickly dress and show people, ah, here, this is the new gift I got. After about a week, no one, no visitors are not there. So you feel the loneliness. It started with the loneliness. You just heard Chaturi describing the beginning of her experience with postpartum depression. For those unfamiliar with the term, postpartum or postnatal depression is a mental health condition that occurs after the delivery of a child. It affects women of all ages and all socioeconomic backgrounds. According to the Ceylon Medical Journal, it can have severe impacts not only on mothers and infants, but on entire families and society at large. On each episode of The Darkest Light, I talk to mothers about their journey through pregnancy, childbirth and parenting. These are the stories you don't often hear, the ones women aren't encouraged to tell. These are the stories I wish I had heard before deciding to become a mother. They're out there, floating around in scraps and whispers. This podcast is an attempt to gather the pieces. I'm your host, Kanya Di Almeida. Thanks for joining me. I met Chaturi in a beauty salon. She gave me my first ever leg wax when I was just 12 years old. Two decades later, she dressed me on my wedding day. And a couple of years after that, I sat in her salon and gave her the news that I was pregnant. She broke into her signature dazzling smile and embraced me. Then she said, just remember, if you get depressed after the baby is born, it's okay. She'd gone through severe postpartum depression with both of her children. But because of the silence and stigma surrounding mental health in Sri Lanka, her condition wasn't diagnosed or treated until after her second baby. It became a topic of conversation at each of our appointments throughout my pregnancy. She was very frank. Sometimes I thought a little too frank. She would describe staring at her crying baby and feeling nothing but the urge to walk out of the house. She talked about having suicidal thoughts. As I approached my due date, I told her these stories were making me anxious and asked her to stop. It wasn't until after my son was born and I was sitting alone in a room with him, feeling like I had hit rock bottom, that her words came back to me. It started with the loneliness. Because no matter how many people surround you or how many voices ask, do you need anything, motherhood can still be lonely as hell. Whenever I said this out loud, most people in my life brushed it off or tried to reason with me. Don't go there. Focus on the good things. You're a mother now. You have to be strong. Fortunately, I had Chaturi's voice in my head reminding me that it was okay to think and feel this way, that she'd been through it too, but most importantly, that it would pass. First, I married to a typical Sri Lankan from Madara, so very uh, traditional and all. Then uh, for three years, we didn't have babies, so we were like suffering, going to doctors and somehow finally I got pregnant. So then everyone is happy, especially the in-laws and I got the baby boy also. That is another plus point because boys, so they can carry the surname. So that also there. I was a very strong person. That's what I thought. Okay, I can handle anything. First week, because I was enjoying it, it's a new thing, new experience. You really don't want to go anywhere. You just want to be with the baby. First week, I had in-laws were there, the visitors are coming. 
coming so day is very busy so you have to quickly dress and show people are ah, here this is the new gift i got like after about we no visitors are not there so you feel the loneliness it started with the loneliness chaturi was 31 when she had her first baby up to that point she had always been a very independent person so at first she insisted on doing everything herself washing and ironing and folding nappies doing the housework all of it but it quickly started to overwhelm her especially because her baby developed colic when he was 2 weeks old he would scream and cry non-stop the pediatrician prescribed medicine which had to be administered orally half an hour before each feed this turned breastfeeding into a huge ordeal usually every 2 hours first few months you had to feed when you give the medicine as soon as that taste come baby is looking for milk so he wakes up so but i can't feed i have to keep him at least 20 minutes you have to keep that gap after the medicine so he is in my hand then you feed half an hour after that if the baby didn't burp i have to keep it like straight position like about 45 minutes at that process takes about one and a half hours yeah. then you are ready to give the medicine again <sighs> so that was very hard i couldn't eat so i was worried i was crying and crying and crying pregnancy and childbirth involve massive hormonal and neurochemical changes in a person's body these chemical imbalances can continue into the postpartum period to varying degrees in its most common form it results in what doctors lightly term baby blues excessive crying sleeplessness or loss of appetite in the first week or 2 weeks after childbirth according to the world health organization this condition typically resolves without the need for medical intervention when the symptoms persist for months or even years after delivery it is classed as postpartum depression if left untreated according to the who postpartum depression can lead to a more serious condition known as postpartum psychosis in which a person may experience hallucinations suicidal impulses or even a desire to harm one's child because they had no knowledge of mental health issues chaturi's family couldn't understand her behavior they chalked her depression up to another matter entirely just after my a levels i started working so i'm a really working girl even on my off days i used to uh, like do private work things so i'm 24/7 i'm working i was missing that part badly the the mentality was ah this one used to go out and work and all no she's missing that that's why that ah, she can't go out no now and for us in our family the with the first baby first 3 months basically uh, the mother won't go out from the house i had a two story house I, after lunch and all the, everyone go to sleep no so then no one in the ground floor so i can hear the tick tick from the clock so that silent that was the irritating part so it's only this one and me what to talk with that one month or two month year old baby there was a lot of pressure to stay at home to be the stereotypical good mother especially since she had struggled so hard to conceive but chaturi's instinct was to get out of the house or away from the baby i i like to say that i did everything i did everything by myself so but after a while you can't do that because you need a break i was really ready to have this challenge but i couldn't do it i couldn't eat i couldn't sleep i wanted to have a baby no i did lot of treatments i all that now the first baby came no so i didn't want to grumble so much so then i was like 
suffering inside and giving the smile face for the outside. Sometimes I used to take the baby and I used to shake it like this. So then he's crying, 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 crying. I feel bad as a bit again, like what to do? I didn't do it purposely. It just happened. It doesn't matter how much difficulty you are going through it. You have to keep all that inside you and uh, show that prim and proper mother only to the world. At times, Chaturi felt like she was just barely hanging on by a thread. Looking back now, she's grateful she made it through. Not everyone can say the same. Every year, 25 to 30 women in Sri Lanka commit suicide during pregnancy or within one year of delivery. This is according to Dr. Kapila Jayaratna, the National Program Manager of Sri Lanka's Maternal and Child Morbidity and Mortality Surveillance Unit. In an interview with the Sunday Observer in 2019, he said that the country reported nearly 450 maternal suicides between 2002 and 2018. A majority of maternal suicides occurred during pregnancy, but one-third occurred during the postnatal period. He didn't draw any connections between these suicides and postpartum depression, because the truth is, we don't know enough about it. Sri Lanka's Family Health Bureau collects a lot of excellent data on maternal health and maternal deaths but they have no statistics on how many women actually experience postpartum depression. Without this data, it's impossible to estimate how serious the problem is. But anecdotal evidence, stories like Chaturi's and so many others, suggests an urgent need to look much more closely into postpartum mental health in Sri Lanka. Four months after giving birth, Chaturi went back to work. It was the best decision she could have made for her mental health. Almost instantly, she began to feel better more like her old self. She continued breastfeeding her son and stuck with it for four years. They developed a strong bond, but she knew one thing for sure. After what she'd gone through, she was not going to have another child. Six years later, Chaturi started to experience nausea and strange food cravings. She assumed she wasn't pregnant because she was having her period as usual, but her colleagues convinced her to see her doctor just in case. She was now 37. I went to check my blood report. I just opened it. It says 13 to 14 weeks pregnant. I just cried. I really cried. I really cried because I didn't want to have another baby because I went through so much. Because I, I, my feeling was terrible. It's like, like a vampire in my stomach. Between 5 and 6, they, they do another scan. So then they can tell the gender. But doctor said it's a girl. So that was the turning point for me to be happy with the pregnancy. But still I was telling doctor, are you sure it's a girl? Every time I'm asking the same question because I was thinking any moment doctor will see the penis and tell it's a boy. She was so traumatized from her experience of depression with her son that she became fixated on the sex of her second child. She even told the doctor, if I give birth to a boy, you can keep him. I'm not taking him home. Her husband and doctor thought she was joking, but she was dead serious. She remained on edge until the doctor actually lifted the child out of her and showed her that it was, in fact, a girl. So then I'm happy I got a girl. My elder one didn't sleep at all. But this one, she was nicely sleeping. So after about two, three days, you go home. First few days was interesting, no? It's a newcomer, so interesting. Then I felt it. After my first pregnancy, then I was like reading things, so I was really ready. Even my husband had a little bit of knowledge by that time. He never understood what it is exactly, but he had some idea like something is there. 
Despite being more prepared this time around, things quickly spiraled out of control. It started with the pediatrician discovering an issue with her daughter's legs. They were not properly attached to the hips. When Shatari heard that she had a meltdown in the doctor's office, Eventually, the problem corrected itself, but Chaturi continued to have serious anxiety about the baby's well-being. She was worried constantly. Her milk supply dwindled. The baby started losing weight. Ten days after she was born, she had lost her birth weight. By now, Chaturi was finding it difficult to even be around the child. But by that time, my husband also has realized that when the baby is crying, I'm just walking out from the room. Her husband didn't know how to handle the situation. Unsure who to turn to, Chaturi repeatedly found excuses to visit the pediatrician. Her complaint was that she didn't have enough breast milk. According to Dr. Gayatri Punchiheva, a senior medical lecturer in the medical faculty at Ruhuna University, this is a common symptom of postpartum depression among Sri Lankan mothers. In an interview with the Daily Mirror in 2017, she explained that one expression of the condition is a constant feeling of inadequacy as a mother. And in the absence of a trusted confidant, many women will confess these feelings to a pediatrician. Fortunately, Chaturi's pediatrician was a woman and an empathetic listener. Again, doctors, are you worried, Chaturi? That's the only question she asked. I started crying again there. So then uh, quickly uh, he, she called my husband and said, take this one to the doctor. She need help, Kela. By myself, if I told my husband, he will ask 100 questions. Why, what, how, why we have to go like that. So then we went to doctor. I couldn't say anything, I'm just crying. She gave me some medicine, didn't work out, but I'm still suffering. I can see I can't sleep, like I don't know what to do. Like right. when I'm feeding, actually I felt like vampire is taking my blood out. That's what I felt. It's Now I'm fighting with my mind. I know it's my baby I have to feed. So then I'm holding the baby and like, I'm like, I'm like, it's suffering for me. So exactly in one month, I have stopped 100% breastfeeding. So the doctor said, doesn't matter, nothing wrong with you. Doesn't mean that you're not love the baby. It's some chemical imbalance in your body. She really explained to my husband also. Just give this child to another two hands. That's it. Nothing will happen because the baby is crying. She's not going to die. It doesn't matter. You can give the bottle milk. Give someone to look after the baby, release her. The psychiatrist prescribed a range of medications, including antidepressants and sleeping pills. Chaturi slept most of the day. She moved into a different room and hired someone to help care for her daughter. It wasn't easy. These decisions were not viewed favorably by her in-laws or anyone in her family. Now, when you have a baby, the mother should feel it like there are many people to share this responsibility with you. It's not only you. Right. That's typical Sri Lankan mothers made it. No, that's your baby. You are responsible. You feed, you wash, you do everything. Because of the culture, no one want to speak about it also. Because if you spoke about it, you are a bad mother. Chaturi is not entirely wrong about that. While there may be exceptions, the prevailing cultural attitude towards mental illness in Sri Lanka does make it difficult to speak out or seek help. Our public health midwives use a tool called the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Scale to assess a woman's mental health after labour and delivery. But because of cultural and social taboos, not all women are empowered to answer the questionnaire honestly or seek assistance if required. Even in the private sector, the topic barely seems to come up. When I attended my first postnatal checkup, my doctor's only question regarding my mental health was, 
Are you feeling tearful? Some weeks later at my final checkup, I confessed I was still struggling with anxiety, compulsive fears about the baby and flashbacks to the birth. She said, time to put that behind you now and closed my file. Not everyone has the ability, awareness, privilege or support to insist on help. But Chatri was determined. She did exactly what she needed to do to recover her health. This meant stepping back and letting others do some of the baby's work. It meant knowing when to leave a room. And it meant finding solace in female companionship. Sometimes I give her a bath or I dressed her, put clips. Girl, no, can do fancy things. So, so I just did it. But after about a few hours, I just want to hand over and go out. The doctor said, anytime, if you feel it, put the baby into cot. Then nothing will happen. Let put the thing, walk out. Sometimes, so I used to do that. I just put the baby onto the cot, walk out. As soon as you open the gate and go out, you feel better. It's it's very strange, Kanya. It's very strange. You think, so what happened inside that house? Till I don't want to go to that house. Where you were when she was yes, born. Yes, but still, house, I don't want to go and live there. That feeling is still there. Usually, I'm a very strong person, Kanya, but it's not your personality. Mainly, I think you need a support, like your mother or your sister or someone you can talk. My mother is very old. She can't look after children. So then my aunt, she took me actually. She said, it doesn't matter. Let's go. Small house, but still she said, come, let's go. Go to my place. Uh, I was there about like almost two months. She's doing sewing. So a lot of people are coming, they're talking. I want, I don't want to talk all the time, but at least I want to hear the sounds to feel it, that I'm not alone here. I so know. I'm very happy. I'm feeding, I'm doing everything, but still I'm happy. In three months, Chaturi was able to get off the medication. She continued breastfeeding her daughter and gradually got back into a routine and returned to work. Her son is now 12 and her daughter is seven but the experience is still very fresh in her mind. I recently joked to her that she's made it her mission to educate and inform as many women as possible about the reality of postpartum depression. But honestly, if you hadn't been the one telling me, I wouldn't have known. And I used to always laugh because you used to tell me this <laughs> vampire story and I used to get angry with you. I was like, why is Chatri telling me this? Why is she scaring me? I'm about to have a damn baby. <laughs> and then because... That voice was in my head. I knew that what I was going through was not bad, was not wrong, was yes, not... Nothing otherwise, wrong you'd think, what's wrong with me? So, thank you, Chaturi. <laughs> I don't want anyone to have that bad experience, which is I went through. Just suffering, like, uh, who will understand that? If you tell someone, else, are you mad? You want to leave the child and go out? What's wrong with you? How do you answer that question? Do you know what's wrong with you? Now see, after six years or so, when I'm thinking that I can cry. So just imagine, so what I went through, that's why I'm telling everyone. So being a, being a girl and being a mother is a like upside down story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, not, it's not part of your life, it's upside down. Eventually, the upside downness will become your new normal. You will find your balance again in this role as a mother. The tunnel can be long, but I promise you, at the end of it, there is a light. In the meantime, talking honestly and openly about your struggles with any trusted listener can be a great first step. If you don't have a safe person in your immediate circle of family or friends, 
you can call the National Institute of Mental Health's hotline. Just dial 1926. Or if you would like to remain anonymous while seeking help, the organization Sumitreo offers free and confidential counseling. Call 0112-683-555. If you think you may have experienced postpartum depression and would like to share your story with me, I'd love to hear from you. Please contact me on thedarkestlightpodcast at gmail.com. None of the information contained in this podcast should be considered medical advice. If you have questions about your health or your child's health, please contact a medical professional. You can also check our bio for links and resources. To learn more about our show, follow us on Instagram at The Darkest Light Podcast. The Darkest Light is produced by Devana Senanayaka. Music is by Kriti. Mixing and mastering by Zainab Wahid.